Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. Earlier this week, my co-host Eli and I were invited to speak on a webinar hosted by the Israel Action Network about Israel podcasts. You could say it was a webinar about a podcast or several podcasts. Now we're bringing the recording of that webinar to this episode of the Israel Policy Pod podcast. So it's a podcast about a webinar about a podcast. That webinar featured Mishi Harman of Israel Story, Dina Kraft of The Branch Podcast, and was moderated by Brina Chu of the Israel Action Network. So with that, here's the recording of the webinar. Enjoy. everyone. I'm going to go ahead and get us started here. Hi, my name is Brina Chu. I'm the Community Strategy Manager of Israel Action Network, and I'm honored and excited to welcome you to today's IAN webinar program on the topic of how podcasts are creating meaningful dialogue about Israel. So as a Jewish professional who works largely in the Israel space and an avid podcast fan, since the debut of This American Life Serial, I am especially excited to facilitate this conversation. So whether you're a community relations council professional, a federation leader, a podcast aficionado like me, or just an individual who is looking for tools and resources to help bring authentic Israel conversations to life, our experts today have a lot of experience to share and contribute to you all. So today we're joined by four content creators, podcast professionals, you can tell I like alliterations, who are using their creative lenses to engage American audiences around Israel through media. So some quick housekeeping things. After we hear from our speakers, we'll open up the floor to your questions. We ask that you submit them via the chat feature on Zoom, and I'll pose them to our speakers. Because we want to be sensitive to all of the Zoom fatigue that's happening on a global scale, We'll aim to cap the session to 45 minutes, but we may go over depending on your response. And lastly, we are recording today's call. So we'll be sending out the recording to everyone who registered afterwards and also posting it to our Facebook page within the coming days. So I'm gonna kick us off by introducing our wonderful speakers, starting with Mishi Harman. Dr. Mishi Harman is the host and co-founder of Israel Story, Israel's leading national storytelling radio show and the most listened to Jewish podcast podcasts in the world. The show brings long-form human interest stories of Israelis and has reached tens of millions of listeners in 194 countries around the world. Harman was born in 1983 in Jerusalem and grew up in the city. Following his military service in the IDF, he did his undergrad at Harvard where he received a BA in history and wrote a senior thesis about the Falash Mura in Ethiopia. He was then awarded the Harvard Cambridge Scholarship um, at Cambridge University. There, he read archaeology and researched the origins of the pig prohibition and the ethogenesis of Judaism. After seven long years abroad, he returned home and completed his PhD, a biography of the first Protestant missionary in Ethiopia at Hebrew U. Mishi has taught at Harvard and lectured around the world, and he currently lives in Somerville, Massachusetts, with his wife, Frederica, and their two dogs, Nomi and Golda. Very cute. Our next speaker is Dina Kraft. Dina is a journalist based in Tel Aviv, and she is host of The Branch, a podcast sponsored by Hadassah about Arab-Palestinian-Israeli coexistence in all of its complexity. She is a correspondent for the Christian Science Monitor, where she reports on Israeli and Palestinian politics, culture, and society, and also hosts a new medical podcast called The Patient Is In. Her writing has appeared in publications including New York Times, The Washington Post, and The Atlantic, and she is a former Israel correspondent for JTA. Kraft was formerly an associated press correspondent based in Jerusalem and Johannesburg. She was a 2012 Neyman Fellow at Harvard University and a 2015 Offberg Fellow at the DART Center for Journalism and Trauma at Columbia. And our last but not least two speakers are Evan Gosman and Eli Kowaz. 
Evan Gottesman is Israel Policy Forum's Associate Director of Policy and Communications. Originally from New Jersey, he graduated from Rutgers University with high honors in spring 2017. His interdisciplinary honors thesis, Compatriots in Israel, a Jewish state in Russia's near abroad, studied the impact of Israel's Russian-speaking population on domestic politics and foreign relations. At IPF, Evan helps host Israel Policy Pod and edits Israel Policy Exchange. His work has been published by Foreign Policy, Haaretz, The National Interest, The Diplomat, World Policy Journal, J-Post, and Zurich Center for Security Studies. And he has been quoted and cited in the Washington Post, Vice News, The Forward, and Times of Israel. Originally from Vancouver, Canada, and host of Israel Policy Pod, along with Evan, Eli is a graduate of McGill and Ryerson University, receiving a BA honors in Jewish studies and psychology and a master's degree in digital media. He has lived and studied extensively in Israel at both Ben-Gurion of the Negev and Hebrew U of Jerusalem. His articles have been published in numerous publications, including Haaretz, The Times of Israel, and J-Post. So let's start the conversation by having each of you speak for a few minutes to first introduce your podcast, Second, tell us what role your podcast is serving in the Israel conversation. In other words, what added value is it bringing to the table? And lastly, answer this question. How can the participants as current or potential listeners use your content to open up real authentic dialogue about today's issues in their communities? And specifically, is there a way for Federation and other American Jewish communities to partner with you on content? And how can they actually bring your work into their communities. So I know that's a lot, um, but we'll cover what we can. And Mishi, let's get started with you. Sure, so hi everyone. Uh, lovely to be here and thank you, Brina, for, for that kind introduction and for putting this together. Um, and um, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. So those were many, many questions to answer in uh, five minutes, but I'll just say that um, the podcast, which I uh, created with um, uh, several of my dear childhood friends and uh, have hosted for now almost a decade, uh, is called Israel's Story. And um, Israel's Story is essentially the sort of best way to describe it in one sentence is to say that it's the This American Life of Israel. We tell human interest stories um, of um, regular Israelis that um, you might not otherwise encounter or hear. Um, and um, expose a uh, different, different side of Israel, a more nuanced, more complex side of Israel. And the, we have a show in Hebrew, which is a national uh, radio show on Galei Tzal, the IDF uh, radio, and uh, a show in English, which uh, we produce together with uh, Tablet Magazine and is distributed by PRX. And... Um, we are just about to begin our fifth season um, on Tuesday, so uh, that is very exciting. And uh, um, also as a uh, little sneak preview, I will just say that you will have the great honor of uh, hearing a story by Dina uh, on our show uh, pretty, pretty soon. Um, and um, so basically the reason that we created this was because we felt that um their the portrayal of israel especially in the states um was um governed by these sort of flat unidimensional narratives so there was israel as a political entity there was israel as a religious uh, jewish national homeland there was israel um advocacy narratives there was sort of bds ad, uh, narratives and we thought that uh, all of those narratives were um flat and missed the complexity and the richness of Israel that we uh, call home, which is a very complicated place, has a very rich human tapestry, uh, has amazing aspects, has terrible aspects. And what we thought that we would be able to do with telling these kind of human interest, interest stories is to expand the conversation uh, of those that are engaged with Israel to those who perhaps have a difficult time um, relating to Israel uh, in today's political climate, um, and can relate um, through our stories to um, a different kind of Israel. So really they're relating to people um, rather than to a political entity. Um, and as such, you know, there have been three election cycles in Israel in the last year, uh, but you, would, you wouldn't be aware of that if you just listened to our show, because what we do is we just tell stories of regular people. Um, and uh, we've 
come to see that that has been a very, very effective way of expanding these circles of those that um, I should point out, we're not looking for people to support Israel, not at all. That's not our goal. We're not, uh, we're not working for Israel or part of the Hasbara um, uh, operation, but we just want people to be engaged, to be interested. Um, and we have discovered that our podcast is an extremely useful tool uh, to do so. It's been used by educators, by, um, uh, it's entered into um, curriculum, curriculi of, uh, of Hebrew schools, of colleges, of uh, high schools, um, um, and many of our episodes uh, are a, a fun and interesting entry point uh, towards to, to conversations about Israeli society, Israeli history, um, and we have also ex- started over the years doing um, live shows in which we tour all across North America um, and have performed, I think, upward of 200 performances over the year in more than 50 cities across America with various different staged adaptations of episodes. Um, and um, I, I, I want to be aware of the time, so I'll stop now, but much more to say. But uh, I, hope, I hope that uh, if you don't already listen, I hope that after this you, you check out the, the show and all of the shows of the wonderful people on the panel. The nice thing I'll just say, I have 27 seconds left for my five minutes. So the last thing I'll say is that the nice thing about the podcast world is that no one's in competition. Every, uh, the, the pie only grows and grows and grows. So the more people listen to, to podcasts, the happier, the happier everyone is. So full stop. Thank you, Mishi. And I definitely agree with that last point. Um, and obviously all of these podcasts have very unique added value to share. So very excited about this program for that reason. Um, Dina, we would love to hear from you next. Hi. Well, first of all, again, thank you so much, Brenda, for inviting me here and for being with all of you today. Um, and I actually like what, what both you and Missy just said. I mean, I think all of our stories in these podcasts actually kind of dovetail well with one, one another. And I think it, it, all of them spark curiosity in different ways. Um, as for myself, just a little bit about myself before I jump into the branch, you know, growing up, I never imagined living anywhere else but America. Um, but when I was a college student uh, in the early 1990s, uh, the Middle East met, met the Middle West. I was in University of Wisconsin in Madison, and the first intifada was raging. And my plans to go abroad somewhere exotic like Rome or Paris in my mind was exotic were ditched because uh, I that there was so much going on on campus. I wanted to figure out Israel for myself. So I found myself going to Jerusalem, try to figure it out for myself. And so all these years later, I live in Tel Aviv with my husband and two children, and we're st- I'm still trying to figure it out. And in a way, working on the branch is part of this life mission to figure it out. Um, and at the heart of everything, of course, is the people who live in Israel and the Palestinian areas. And those are the stories of the people that we tell. This is a story, this is a podcast that explores the relationships between Jewish and Arab citizens of Israel and also Palestinians. Um, and the reality is we're talking about a very, of course, tiny patch of, of, of a place, but Israelis and Palestinians themselves rarely intersect and meet, except for like in points of conflict. And in Jewish and Arab citizens, of course, you know, Arab citizens are more integrated in Israel and more all the time, but there still is fairly separate lives. People live in fairly separate bubbles, different education systems, different neighborhoods, different towns for the most part. Um, but a poignant exception to this is a place like the Hadass- Hadassah's Hospitals. And Hadassah is a sponsor of this podcast. And the idea behind the podcast was to look for islands of, you know, shared society beyond the hospital walls. Um, So, you know, looking at how these relationships play out, not just in the hospital, but also at theaters and at schools um, and in high tech scene um, and also within the hospital. So, you know, a good chunk of the episodes are also set in the hospital. Um, And... What we're trying, I think one of, the, one of the amazing things about podcasting for me as a longtime print journalist who always had this very serious crush on audio is I can bring such a richer, deeper level of conversation um, to people. I think when we read people's voices on the page, they can sound flat. And, you know, even, even if it's a really moving quote, you kind of lose the emotion but, and you can kind of dismiss somebody as the other. Um, you ask sort of what our role is in the Israel conversation. Um, I think it's sort of helping break down stereotypes. You might think of a, 
a Palestinian-Israeli rapper from Jaffa having nothing to do with you. But when you hear his story and you hear how he raps and you hear the timbre of his voice and the way he laughs and the way he interacts with his best friend who's a Jewish rapper, it suddenly not just breaks down the boundaries, but you also you get a sense of who they really are as people. They're, th they're, 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 they're three-dimensional people, right? Or everyone's multidimensional and that kind of comes through. Um, and I think, you know, this, this is a place of stereotype and it's very easy as a journalist to write to stereotype. And I feel like what the branch helps do is, is do is in, in, in a really powerful way is bring the real people to the stories. Um, so every episode focuses on a different friendship. Um, it could be two nurses at a Hadassah hospital who run a dialysis unit together. It could be um, two teachers who work in an Arabic Jewish uh, bilingual school together. Um, and what I've noticed in these conversations are the people that really have a truly good friendship that are friends, not just in the purview of work, but actually take their friendships home with them and become part of their lives are the people who are not afraid to get into difficult, difficult conversations. I mean, Israel, like America, can be a very polarized place. But I think what's refreshing about Israel is that you can have conversations uh, that are not always according to the script. And you can have conversations where you challenge one another um, and still become, still remain friends. And I feel like that's sort of a lost art in the world in general, um, and especially in the States right now, where people have sort of forgotten how to talk to each other. Um, in terms of, you know, how to use our content um, for, for the folks out there, I think, you know, what we've had some success with is sort of listening groups, like people who come together as a group and listen to an episode and then discuss it. Hadassah very kindly has put together a list of uh, discussion questions for every episode. So, you know, we'd be happy to distribute those out to a wider audience. Um, and, you know, I was touring the States back when one could tour uh, in December, which seems like a very long time ago now. And everyone wanted to know, after listening to these episodes that are set in different places, the Shuk inside in Jerusalem or Jizr Azarka, an Arab village by the sea, people wanted to go see them. The, the places become characters as well in these podcasts in these episodes. And so um, one way people could sort of bring the branch with them is when they come to Israel, when that's poss more possible, is to do like a branch tour. Um, and I'd be happy to like, you know, take people to different places and show them, meet the characters behind the story. But in the meantime, you know, um, people are having to be creative. So I can imagine even, you know, taking people around the Shuk um, and to meet the, the Israeli and Palestinian team that run a small little restaurant, which I just revisited. Our, our next, next upcoming episode is about uh, a Corona check-in. I went to talk to past uh, characters from past episodes to see where they are now and how Corona impacted their lives in different ways. And one of my first stops was in the Shuk in Jerusalem to meet Madi and Michal, who run together a little restaurant. Um, and they don't know if they're going to survive. They have very few customers right now. Um, but it was really interesting seeing, you know, all these different people who I spoke to in past episodes with their small business people or teachers, um, how Corona sort of upended their world and how they're adjusting now. Um, and with that, I will pass on the baton. Ah, thank you, Dina, so much for that insightful and very succinct overview. Um, I actually had the pleasure of working with Dina on part of the promotion and production of the Branch podcast back when I was at Hadassah. Um, and I, I recommend all these podcasts, but I have special connection to the Branch from there. Um, and if we can move on to Eli and Evan, you guys can go next. That'd be great. Thank you, Brina, and thank you to the federations and to IAN for putting this together. Um, so Israel Policy Pod, the program that Eli and I host, is the podcast of Israel Policy Forum, uh, our organization. For those who aren't familiar with Israel Policy Forum, we're a policy organization that is focused on promoting a vision of a Jewish, democratic, and secure Israel by way of a viable two-state solution. Uh, we were founded with the encouragement of the late Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin in 1993. And we've tried to carry forward that vision to the present. As a policy organization though, we're involved in producing a lot of written work, a lot of policy reports, a lot of um, memos, these kinds of things. And that sort of, uh, that sort of material can sometimes be a little intimidating. Obviously I recommend all of Israel Policy Forum's materials. So in that sense, I think the Israel Policy Pod plays a really important role in being a way to translate our content to a wider audience or as a complement to the rest of our content. We bring in a lot of our in-house policy experts, um, a lot of great people who I would certainly recommend you read their work, like our policy director, Michael Koplow, one of our policy fellows, 
uh, Dr. Shira Efron, all have been regular guests on our podcast. And I think it helps to bring their works and the important uh, reports and, and material that they're writing to a wider audience, because if you can listen to them speak and hear them explain and, and elucidate a little on what they're talking about in their work, then it makes it a lot more uh, approachable and uh, it, it makes it, it, it adds a different layer to it because you can get into questions that might you might not get into in the writing. The other thing that I think that this podcast is bringing out is bringing forward voices. We like to have guests who are part of the political landscape in Israel, but represent a voice that maybe isn't heard in the broader English-speaking world looking at Israel, because there is a big political conversation around Israel. And certainly with, as Mishi mentioned, the three election cycles, um, the current controversy and, and lead up to the potential for unilateral West Bank annexation, this is something that people are going to be talking about, but we want to bring something different. So we try and bring in people who uh, aren't being... Uh, aren't always getting the spotlight in the U.S. where most of our audience is. So, for example, we've brought in guests uh, recently, like a member of Knesset, uh, Radio Kamal Mrich, who's a member of Knesset for Yeshatid, and also uh, the first Druze woman to anchor a Hebrew language um, television program in Israel. And, and she brought a really unique perspective. I mean, a lot of people overseas might know Yeshatid. Uh, they might know Yair Lapid, all important voices, uh, but bringing uh, in a uh, member of Knesset Marich was a really uh, different perspective from what other people might have heard. Everyone, for example, when you talk about uh, Israeli Arab political participation, a lot of people know Ayman Oda, the leader of the joint list. They might not be as familiar with uh, Aida Tuma Sliman, who is another member of Knesset on the joint list. She uh, holds the second position in Hadash, which is Ayman Oda's party. So we brought her on the podcast and she had a really interesting perspective talking about her history of women's rights activism, also working across the political divide in Israel. She's uh, become sort of known for working with right-wing members of Knesset who she might not agree with on anything else, but for this uh, issue. So uh, trying to bring in, in people like that and broaden the scope of the conversation um, and, and to bring it around to the last point, how can people engage with our work. Israel Policy Forum has uh, these speakers that we bring around and in-house experts and also people who we've connected with uh, through the podcast, many of whom we stay in touch with. And we've been running webinars and video briefings, and we're always looking for new community partners to bring those, again, to a wider audience. And I want to hand it over to Eli also before we run out of time. I think, Evan, uh, everything you said was on point. And um, I think the main goal of our podcast is really to educate more than anything and obviously our organization we have a specific um, agenda and a mission that is obviously of heated debate right now in Israel um, but we really just want to bring perspectives and get into like the nitty-gritty details um, that you probably won't hear um, in most um, even Jewish like American media and I think that's really important um, and um, I th that's pretty much it. I mean, we, we have a lot of like really interesting guests. I mean, th that podcast we did a few weeks ago with Radir was absolutely fascinating because just her life story of coming up, growing up near Haifa in the Druze community. I mean, it, gave, it kind of gives an element kind of uh, not just to talk about the political, but also to talk about her growing up as a person in a, complete, in a community that many uh, American Jews are not that familiar of and facing challenges there and how she got to this amazing like position where she gave up on a ministerial post in this current government um, to leaving and just being an MK in the opposition and just to see how uh, that was um, the reactions in her community. And um, so, so, um, so on that regard, I think that that's what our podcast really tries to do. And as Evan said, um, I'll just add really quickly, because I know we're out of time, so many ways to engage with Israel Policy Forum on, in webinars um, and all sorts of different, um, different ways. Um, so I'll leave it with that. I know we went over our five minutes. So. Sorry, Brina. You're good. You're good. Um, thank you so much, Eli and Evan. Um, and now we're going to be moving on to the participant Q&A portion of our call. 
So now that you've actually gotten to know our speakers and the work that they're doing, we'd love to hear from you. Um, as I mentioned, we ask that you submit your questions through the chat feature and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can, but don't be shy. Um, they're here for, to answer your questions. So, um, but in the meantime, um, I'm going to take advantage of this moment and ask a question for anyone on this great panel, um, which really gets to the heart of the conversation here. So across the American Jewish community, what are some of the key barriers to Israel dialogue that exists today? And what can we all be doing to address those challenges? Sorry, I'm in New York City and this cars wanna get in on the fun, so. Sorry, so that was, so the question was, was how can, how, can you repeat the question again? Sorry, just to. Yeah. So across the American Jewish community, what are some of the key barriers that exist to dialogue about Israel today? And what can we be doing to actively address those challenges? I'll I would, just, I'll, oh, sorry, yeah. go, ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, I just quickly want to say, I think one of the key barriers is people looking for very clean, neat narratives. You know, this is the way it happened. This is the way it is. Any other voice that says this is wrong or anti-Israel or anti-Semitic. I mean, I think it's really important to talk about the nuance. You know, I think the sort of the, the idea of nuance and the idea of complexity gets very lost in the conversation because everyone's very emotional. Everyone circles their own wagons. And I think it's also from a lack of understanding and knowledge. I think um, people need to educate themselves a bit more, you know, read, read widely. I mean, it's hard if we have a lot of demands on our time, obviously, and there's a lot going on in the world. But, you know, annexation is happening right now. Read the pros and read the cons, like read all about it, you know, um, try to try to get out of your own silo. I think um, perhaps that's one of the main things is, you know, when people sometimes talk about like, don't air Israel's dirty laundry, don't say anything that might be as seen as critical. I mean, there are a lot of people in Israel who love Israel and are critical of policies who live here, right? And why can we have the conversations, but American Jews feel like they can't? I know it's different situations in different contexts, but I think the more American Jews are sort of educated about all of the color that fills in, it's not a black and white place, um, we can have a more thoughtful conversation. I completely agree. And I think adding to that point, I think the three podcasts that are featured on, on this webinar give a different, a different taste. Um, like Mishi's podcast is great in terms of if you don't want to be in that political, uh, in the political world and the debate, you can learn about these amazing stories. Dina's kind of her podcast kind of blends both world worlds um, a bit, and I think ours offers. I mean, there's a lot of substance and a lot of policy. Um, so I think just reading a lot is great, and also listening a lot to all sorts of different um, podcasts. I think that's that's definitely the way to go and the way to, to get more um, North American Jews engaged. Thank you both. Um, those are really important points and definitely something at IAN um, that we strive to do is um, bring the nuance um, to the forefront and say there's a place for everyone in this conversation. Um, Evan or Mishi, if you have anything to add, feel free. Otherwise, we'll move on. Okay, um, all right, so moving on. This question is intended for Dina and Mishi, but open to everyone. So how can stories that are coming out of Israel add to a more nuanced, speaking of our previous um, discussion, nuanced understanding for American Jews about what everyday life is like in Israel? Um. Look, there are many misperceptions of uh, of uh, of Israel and of life in Israel, um, and uh, I think many people's attitudes um, about Israel are shaped by some sort of um, feeling of of uh, either being committed to Zionism or being being. Uh, uh, you know, critical of the government or something like that, and, and really the filter, the filter of um, of of politics is uh, is is really ubiquitous. And uh, I think as Americans are learning um, 
now with with the Trump administration that uh, you know America exists and Trump exists. I mean, these are like a, a, a country isn't only only um, only really a, a reflection of its of its leadership. Um, uh, I think that um, that hearing from regular people, um, and I think um, is is a powerful thing. And you know, one of the interesting things that we've encountered over the years in Israel story is that we we uh, we are able to avoid a lot of the vitriolic. Uh, um, language around Israel. So we often will, you know, go and talk on talk or perform or whatever in college campuses that just a week earlier had shooed, shooed away, you know, some Israeli diplomat or, you know, I don't know, disinvited the ambassador or whatever it is. And we're, we're worried, like, is there going to be some sort of demonstration outside of the Israel Story live show? And, and honestly, there, there never has been because um, the kind of storytelling that we do and really the kind of storytelling that Dina does as well. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's about people. So, it, you know, it could be your friend, it could be your, your cousin, it could be your neighbor. Um, and, and it's very hard to argue with somebody um, once, once they, you know, share their personal truth. You can agree or disagree. You could say, I would have you know, done things differently, perhaps, but you respect the fact that they're just telling the, telling um, the, the, the story the way they see it. And one of the, one of the most powerful things, I, I think, about this kind of audio storytelling is how intimate it is, and um, it allows one to really uh, put um, him or herself in the shoes of the characters. And you can really just, uh, it's, it's almost like a fun uh, mental exercise. You can experience life um, as a uh, Bedouin teenager, or as a ultra-Orthodox uh, woman in Sfat, or as a uh, uh, you know Palestinian in in, in Shechem, or wh- wherever it is, and uh, and for for half an hour or an hour, you can exit your own identity and your own little bubble, and 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 live a different kind of life. So I think that resonates with people. Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback on that. I, I love that idea of the intimacy, right? Because suddenly in a podcast, you're with these people and you're hearing their voices, but you're also hearing how they interact with each other. So in the case of the branch, you know, someone might be very surprised that you have um, somebody from Gaza and somebody from Tel Aviv having a meal together in Tel Aviv. You know, it, it's it's unusual. But that's one of the podcasts, one of my favorite episodes was about two journalists who were friends for the last 30 years um, and I, I visit them while they're having a meal together and they sort of reminiscing about times where they took t- turns saving each other's life. Uh, in one case, um, uh, Saud, the Gazan journalist, um, lifted uh, Jonathan, the, uh, the journalist from Tel Aviv, out of, a, out of a stampeding crowd when Arafat had come back in 93. In another case, Jonathan helped arrange for Saud to get, um, to get uh, heart stents at Hadassah Hospital. You know? so there's, but you're in there and you're hearing them tell the stories of their wives this beautiful and I think here you know uh, about the people who are not normally in articles that I might write for the Christian Science Monitor for the New York Times the regular voices do get lost right so we, it's a chance things that we don't imagine to be I talked to a midwife uh, an Arab midwife at Hadassah Hospital, and she delivers mostly ultra-Orthodox Jewish babies. Um, and she talked to me, like, there, there should be another way, right? There can be another way, because there can be these connections. The question for me always, you know, at Hadassah, the example is doctors and nurses and a staff and patients working together as one, focusing on how do we take that outside? Um, but what I've seen, there's another episode to tell. There's soccer players, there's you know, there are, um, there are people who bird watch together. Like there's just so much, despite the separation, there's a lot of infection that, that, and that does not make the news. Abroad. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. And we actually have a participant question from David Burson. David asks, what have you done to make your content of interest to the next generation? And do you have a way to gouge the ages of your listeners? Do you have a target audience um, or a way to identify your audience? So I think the Israel Policy Pod has been a really important way 
to bring Israel policy forums work to a younger generation uh, than those who might be accessing some of our other materials. Israel Policy Forum actually has a young professionals network, IPF Atid, with chapters across the United States. And we recently hosted on our podcast leaders from our young professionals network to talk about an initiative that they're doing called Our Future Israel, which is their response to the current annexation crisis and bringing on younger guests, whether they're people who are actually participants in our Atid program or just people who are younger leaders in Israel, uh, like, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, a member of Knesset, Radio uh, Kamal Marich, makes, makes your younger listeners feel like you have a stake in the program. And I also think just by dint of the fact that Eli and I are on the younger side of our, of our staff, I think it gives people a stake in, in feeling like they can uh, relate to the, the program. Obviously, we have guests from a whole range of backgrounds and across different age demographics. Um, but, uh, you know, you want to make people feel involved. And, and that's just one of the ways we've done it. We brought in also recently Staff Shafir, um, who, of course, at the time was the youngest elected member of Knesset. And um, when she was elected and we brought her on for a program. So again, having a mix of guests like her helps to make that program and that content relatable. I'll just jump on quickly. Um, so we've we've reached out to the college audience through Hillel, for example, advertising with them. And I'm hoping to speak speak to a Hillel group soon online. Um, also, I know that some uh, university professors teaching Middle East courses have, have put the branch on their curriculum, which is great. Um, and I also know that some Jewish summer camps have you know listened to an episode or two and built an activity around that. Um, and also, um, you know, one of our one of our episodes was about a the only uh, youth movement in Israel, which brings together Israeli and Palestinian kids, um, and also another episode on um, about karate and kids and kids learning karate together. So I think sort of using these episodes as a way to kind of reach out to kids, whether they're in in day schools or camps um, or universities, is um, and also sort of just speaking to them, hopefully in the future in person, if possible. And I'll just add to that, um, David, that uh, first of all, yes, of course, we know a tremendous amount about our audience um, and we know, uh, we know a lot, a lot of demographic, um, uh, we have a lot of demographic data. For Israel's story, at least, uh, we have a very uh, wide age dis distribution. So um, uh, roughly 20% uh, roughly of our audience are, uh, are in each decade. So uh, up to 24, or 25 to 34, 35 to 44, and so on and so forth. Um, actually, where we have a drop-off um, is, uh, is uh, uh, listeners 75 and, uh, and, and up, but uh, that's a, that's a drop-off that the podcast industry in general has just because people haven't uh, really uh, adopted to, uh, to the podcast medium even though in many ways it is a, a throwback to the kind of radio that perhaps they grew up on. Um, but uh, yes, we, we, we know that we have, uh, uh, th that we reach uh, a wide range of ages. And, you know, at least in our case, as seems to be the answer um, across the board here is that, you know, we're able to touch on countless topics really. So the, the only governing, uh, principle here is that it relates to Israel. Um, but we have episodes, you know, all the way from uh, pot legalization um, to uh, same-sex marriages to uh, surrogacy to um, Messianic Jews to you know, anything possible. And, you know, uh, in each one of those are uh, appeal to a different, uh, a different audience. And uh, I don't know, we'll do something that's about uh, environmental issues and suddenly we'll reach a whole new, uh, a whole new uh, group of uh, people. And in fact, what we are seeing in Israel's story, which is uh, very um, uh, something that we're very happy about is that as our general audience is growing uh, steadily and quite dramatically, we're also seeing uh, the, uh, proportion of uh, Jews amongst our listeners shrink. Um, so more and more non-Jews are listening to Israel Story. So um, up until uh, a year ago, it was about 90% of our audience were, were Jews. Now about only, uh, only about three quarters of our audience are Jews. 
Um, and that's something great because it means that we're, we're, we're reaching people who are not otherwise uh, uh, engaged in, 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 in Israel content. Yeah, thank you um, for answering that. And I think it's very important to, um, I think identifying your audience and making your audience um, a significant part of how you create your content is also very important um, in this field. And David Burson asked, do you also include Canadian audiences in your outreach? I know that Eli is from Vancouver, like me, but do you guys consider Canadians at all? So take it away, Eli. Okay. Well, I'll say that, I mean, we, we definitely do. And thank, uh, thank you, David. It's nice to have someone from, else from Vancouver on, uh, on the call. But um, I mean, Canada is like the third, uh, in terms of our listeners, Canada is number three in terms of countries. And we have... Um, a lot of people, obviously our organization is an American Jewish organization, but we, we do do uh, outreach to uh, Canada as well, to Canadian audiences. And I think it's important. I make a point of saying North American audiences. <laughs> I notice that ca Canada kind of gets left out uh, to the lonely neighbor sometimes, but um, very important to me uh, personally. And uh, I'll, I'll just leave, I'll leave it at that. Thanks. Right. So we have one more question here from Mark Siegel. How are you using social media to promote your podcasts or are you? <laughs> so maybe I'll start here and I'll say that, uh, yes, we have a, um, a large uh, social media following. And um, in, in addition to all the normal things, the Facebook page and, uh, and Twitter and Instagram and so on and so forth, we um, also created a Facebook group for members only, but uh, anyone, anyone can join. We, we approve everyone, but, uh, but you, have to, you have to join it. Um, and that's where we interact um, on a more sort of less on a kind of announcement uh, uh, um, level, but more kind of as people. And we have conversations about... Uh, about episodes and pose questions and the producers of the show interact, you know, more as human beings and share things from their lives. And we've seen that during, um, during um, COVID that has really uh, grown dramatically. Thousands of people have joined that, uh, that community uh, because um, we started doing a lot of, uh, a lot of online events, Facebook live events. And uh, for Yomats Mot, we did something called Israpalooza, which was a 12 hour long, uh, live broadcast. Uh, we temporarily became like a cable news uh, station or something with these endless broadcasts. But uh, uh, it had uh, live concerts and interviews and cooking classes and workshops. Um, so I think that uh, it's a, it's a uh, you know every podcast now recognizes that this is a crucial part of uh, of expanding uh, an audience. We also use social media, mostly Instagram and Facebook. Um, I, there's been in recent recent months been more of an attempt to do more uh, paid advertising all through through Facebook, which has been helpful and kind of boosting posts and whatnot. Um, I think the challenge is to get people to not just engage with the post, but then to actually then go link and listen to the podcast itself, which is always you know the key part of it. Um, and uh, I think there's also been helpful when we've had we've had little audiograms as part of the post where people actually can hear a little snippet and kind of get a taste. So that's sort of what, you know, video is very helpful. Um, something we need to think about maybe in the future, something like video snippets as well, because people tend to engage more with video um, than just with an audiogram or just a photograph. And I, you know, also try to craft as the personal as possible, sort of the backstory behind the story um, when I'm, when I'm posting on, 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 on Facebook and Instagram, also to let people know I'm here, like here I'm out reporting and, instead of photograph and kind of getting the, the appetite whetted a little bit for what's to come. So with Israel Policy Pod, of course, we're doing all a lot of similar promotion on our social media platforms, as Dina and Mishi mentioned. Uh, just one other point that I bring up is we always try to get our podcast guests to also promote the episodes that they've been on. I mean, it's important, first of all, if you're on the podcast and you're not promoting it, then, you know, what do you think of the podcast? But it also brings the story to another level because it's interesting, especially with our Israeli guests, to see the reaction that they get for being on this podcast for an American organization. And I know we keep coming back to this example of our recent episode uh, with Wadir, but she posted it on her official political Facebook page as a, as a member of Knesset. 
And all of the comments are like, we, we love you, you're so great. And they seem to be mostly from other Druze Israelis. Uh, but that, that was just fascinating to see, uh, to see that kind of engagement from her own constituency with the podcast. So uh, that also helps to broaden our audience because each guest brings in their own constituents and their own followers and fans. So uh, always interesting to see and, and always something that we try to do to get those guests to promote our podcast as well. Thanks everyone. Um, and I have one more media related question. So thinking about today's political climate and the current state of the world, what advice would you give to individuals who are looking to affect positive change um, or social change using today's media tools, whether that's through social media or other forms of virtual communication? Um, I guess what first comes to mind is, you know, it's very hard to break through the noise, right? There's so much out there. There's so much information. But for me, the stories that have the most impact are the most personal ones and the most, most personal details. I just saw, um, I think it's a Katie Couric post on her Instagram page about the death of a young black man last year who was, um, walking down the street and he was, uh, uh, apprehended by police, um, and he ended up dying. Um, but it, it but, but it liked, but the thing was helpful about her post was that she gave very personal details about this, about this young man. He played violin in animal shelters. Um, he, um, was anemic, which is part of why when whatever physical assault was laid on him, he didn't survive it. Um, but these sort of, and, and that he was a reader and that he was a musician and I think sort of getting, you know, in that, in that case, the stories, the message and the activism is around uh, Black Lives Matter and, and, and police assault. But it was the details of that story. It wasn't just another like photograph. It was actually a, a drawing of this man and a drawing of the things that he loved, animals and music and whatnot. Um, so I think sort of making the stories as personal as possible, you know, when you are trying to get word out about things. I mean, I think Humans of New York does an amazing job of that, like doing a really deep dive into someone's life uh, and telling them from their own voice. So if you have a cause that you care about, you know, whether it's what's happening in Israel or elsewhere, but if you can kind of make the stories as personal as possible, um, or maybe, you know, borrowing from the content of an Israel story podcast or someone who, you know, or, or this Drew's Knesset member, you know, like when you are promoting about it, don't just, don't just hit, re, don't just hit retweet, you know, say I was struck by X, Y, or Z about this person, or this story, is, you might get a kick out of it and why, and why it spoke to you personally and how you related to it. So I think it's always about emotion and personal, because what we, what we do know about the science of what goes viral as much as there's a science is when it hits someone very, very deeply, very emotionally, that's what gets shared. Thank you, Dina. Does anyone else want to add to that? No pressure. I mean, uh, I don't know that I'm particularly qualified to answer that question, to be honest, but, um, but uh, I mean, I will say about podcasting is that uh, one of its wonderful um, attributes is that there's a very low uh, barrier of entry. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, you can start your own podcast uh, today um, at the same, and, and, and in many ways, that's a wonderful thing. At the same time, I would caution people actually against that uh, perhaps because um, the podcast world has exploded in such a way that um, every organization and every congregation and, and whatever feels that they need to, they need to sort of jump on this bandwagon and produce a podcast. And the majority of podcasts um, are, 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 are not actually, you know, worth listening to and, and, and sort of end up talking to a very, very small um, uh, audience. So while I think that it is a useful way to promote one's ideas, um, I also fear that um, there, it's sort of grown to such an extent that it's very difficult, as Dina was saying, to, to really shine. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that perhaps the, the most useful thing to do if you really believe in something is to go out into the world and, 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 and be part, part of it. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, being a journalist in many ways is sort of a long game, right? I mean, you, you sort of, you, uh, you, you try to promote things that you care about and to shine a light on, on, um, 
issues that matter to you um, in these subtle ways and hope that your writing or your journalism will have an impact. And I think that in many cases it does, but then I, I at least personally, uh, taking Dina's advice and talking in a personal manner, I, I often say, well, if I care so much about, you know, this cause, why, why, why am I talking about it? I should go and, go and be part of it, be an activist in some way. Um, of course, there's room for both of those things. But, uh... I would just add that it's important to remember that podcasts exist as part of an ecosystem of different ideas and different uh, medium, uh, mediums of expressing those ideas. And to remember that the podcast doesn't exist in isolation. So Mishi mentioned before that uh, Israel Story has their Facebook group, the branch, of course, being part of uh, Hadassah's programming and Israel Policy Pod as part of what Israel Policy Forum is doing to mobilize people in support of a viable two-state solution. So whatever your goal is, whether it's, it's a policy or political objective or it's just to get people engaged, I think it's to not just stop at the podcast or not just stop at producing a vlog or video, depending what medium that you're using. I mean, the best thing for me and Eli is when we go to an Israel Policy Forum event. And of course, this isn't happening quite as much in the same way these days because our in-person programming is a little bit on hold because of the pandemic. But the best thing is when we go to a, an event and people come up to us and say, well, I'm here at the event because I heard about it on the podcast, or I, I'm reading this book because I heard about it on the podcast. So it's to make sure to translate what you're doing online into something, uh, whether it's in person, you know, hopefully in our post-pandemic world, or just in another format online, getting people to then join a webinar or join an online discussion on Facebook or Twitter, um, all really important. Yeah, thank you all for speaking to that um, so articulately. And so I just really wanna thank you all again. Um, thank you to our amazing articulate and engaging speakers for a really stimulating program today. And also to, of course, our participants who have joined us and I strongly encourage you to check out and engage with all of the great podcasts that we discussed today. Um, so you can actually, if you have an iPhone, I'm an iPhone person, you can um, go on the podcasts app. It's a purple app, a purple icon. Um, and you can search for whatever podcast you'd like to subscribe to. In this case, it would be, yeah, thank you, Mishi. Um, Israel Story, the brand Israel Policy Pod. And when you click into the show, you'll see a big subscribe button at the top. Um, also, rating and reviewing podcasts once you've listened and you've enjoyed really helps um, boost their presence. So, yeah, and we'll also be sending out the resources that you need after this call to learn more about all of these great podcasts and get involved. There'll be a short feedback survey as well that will be sent to you, and we ask that you complete it to help us shape our future programming um, and keep an eye out for all of our future programming and webinars. Um, I wish you all a really great rest of your day and please stay safe and healthy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Brenda. so much. Thanks, Thanks so much, Brenda. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye.